Revelation chapter 13. Um, remarkable things happening in the book. Uh, there's stuff in our culture and our circumstances today that um, certainly are precursors to these things. The vaccine for coronavirus, a whole bunch of people uh, a year ago were all in a panic. That's the mark of the beast. And just, you know, different things. And certainly, certainly, it is a precursor. Uh, you know, you can summarize <clears throat> that whole mentality with governmental controls saying you cannot have Unless you, and to that end, I agree with the concept that the social security number is a precursor. Okay, it's not the mark of the beast. Okay, well, how do I know that? We're not even there in the chapter yet. I'm just giving us this is the pre sermon. Um, so, uh, how because you can actually have a job without having uh, social security, without having a social security number. The Amish have proven that, right? You know, that, that it is possible. They don't put you to death. You know, the precursor to these things. So they, they certainly are preparing and conditioning our culture um, for that mentality. But uh, you know, we as Christians should be wary. So Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. Now, <clears throat> we've talked about the earth, and we talked about the mass of people, we talked about the sea. When we see those things presented as um, sort of the spiritual, mystical symbol, uh, that's one thing. John here, I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. For the Jews, uh, the, I mean, water was... Dangerous, scary business. Right? They didn't have flotation devices like we do today. They didn't have, you know, YMCA swimming glasses. They didn't have, uh, you know, scuba gear. Um, things that were thrown into the depth of the sea were never seen again. <laughs> they went down into the blackness and never emerged again. Um, periodically, horrible creatures emerged up out of the sea. And there were horrifying tales of people's experiences with, you know, things that to some degree, and I'll be clear, to some degree, we understand a little better, you know. Sharks, you know, whales, giant squid. There's a marine life below the surface, which is extraordinarily threatening. Want to have any of that come up out of the depth and be part of your environment? Um, there are at least two occasions that I'm aware of. One was very well documented uh, by an Asian fishing vessel that pulled up a carcass in their uh, fishing troll that uh, decomposing, rotting stench. Vile. They're out there to make money. There's some video footage taken of it. It's a bunch of photographs taken of it, and then they just cut the thing loose from their nets and let it go. Uh, 
immediately they all were saying dinosaur. And um, the whole scientific world said, absolutely not. And particularly their communist government said, no way, can't be at all. Well, the people that have examined the video footage and the photographic footage say without question, plesiosaurus. And here's the thing, that's supposed to have been extinct for 65 million years. Yes, millions and millions of years. Uh, there is no way that its partially decomposed body would still be intact. Uh, the indication is that it had passed away in fairly recent history. You really have to get a grasp on how big the ocean is and you know the depths of the ocean. So there's a whole other realm of discussion in creation versus evolution that I love to trail off into. Point in this passage and subject is horrifying things come out of the deep. Is John's mindset and the Jewish mindset and here he sees this beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns ah sounds very familiar to what we read previously regarding this dragon that had seven heads and ten horns <coughs> ten crowns on his head and a blasphemous name okay how do you want to classify the blasphemous name well, it's simple as far as that which would defy God and speak against God, and that which would renounce the existence of God. It will become obvious when it emerges. The people who honor and revere and worship God will be deeply offended by the name, whatever it is. Will it be the name of our Lord? Will it be that? It doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, got some title that he assigns to himself. We'll talk about how this works a little more. But there's a blasphemous name assigned. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, his great authority. Now, <clears throat> I'm very tempted to go back and just read all of Daniel chapter 7. There's a tremendous amount there where Daniel, um, you remember Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he, he sees what Daniel interprets as being the succession of world empires. The Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. Uh, so uh, when Daniel has his own vision of the same thing, he doesn't see a glorious statue with a head of gold. He sees horrendous beasts that emerge. You have bear, leopard, you know, as it progresses through. And here, very similar to that. So the question arises, you know, what are these particularly? How do they coincide with what Daniel was saying? Well, notice that he was like a leopard, his feet were like a bear, mouth was like a lion. So, um, uh, my, because these, obviously, according to the biblical standard of prophecy, 
are speaking of nations, then we can assume that what's being said is that they will be reflective of previous nations. You know, they'll have elements that, you know, we today often talk about things that are done in a draconian fashion. We talk about things that are Nazi-like, you know. And so you understand that when certain behaviors come into play, people, especially students of history, look back and say, oh, this has a great similarity to previous circumstances. And that's what we see here, is you're going to be able to easily identify things which are similar to the Medo-Persian Empire, which are going to be similar to the Greek Empire, going to be similar to the Roman Empire. But they will be in a new fashion. The most significant is that last portion of verse 2 the dragon gave him his power so two portions there we go from a beast to a human expression of him so there's suddenly a human personification it could be that he's still talking about a beast level but it really does seem to bring it down into this humanistic expression of the beast is given power by the dragon. We firmly established in examining the dragon in the previous chapter that that was Satan. That was Lucifer. So now think of Judas and what particularly John tells us about when we shared communion a moment ago, Jesus made the statement of one of you is a devil, referring to Judas. John records for us that Satan had put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. And then when Judas leave, stands to leave uh, the Last Supper to go to the high priest and betray Jesus, John records that the devil entered him. Okay. So, demonic possession. Uh, you know, we, we often think uh, of those that are demon-possessed as being hideous and horrendous. You, you think of you know, the likes of Charles Manson or you know, some horrendous individual, you know, probably ugly and scary, children, you know, run away shrieking is the idea. <laughs> and the scripture tells us that Satan himself is able to transform himself into an angel of light. Something very beautiful. Something very attractive. So we shouldn't think of the ugliness that's being described here. Beast, you know, multi-animal features, dragon, and think that this is going to be necessarily hideous horrendous This is how a deeply spiritual man sees a thing that is of the devil. He, he sees it as beastly. He sees it as some mutated thing. So man, given power of the devil and great authority. The description of great authority um, <coughs> gives the idea of um, like very impressive 
like you would struggle to not be uh, a worshiper, a follower. You know, the presentation will be so immense that it's it's gonna have that wow factor that, that everyone is is gonna be moved by uh, the authority and the presentation and all that is seen. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. We have other references that seem to uh, coincide with this and there's some uh, there's a there's a, a couple different opinions. Uh, one is more spiritual. One is more physical. I, I go with the more physical, the more literal. That uh, the Antichrist is going to have uh, a, a physical injury. Uh, it's uh, sometimes presented spiritually as um, the Roman Empire died and it will be resurrected. And so the head, you know, receiving a mortal wound and perishing, being resurrected and coming back. Okay, I I can't argue and say that that's impossible. Um, I don't think it's what's being indicated, and I don't think it's probable. Daniel talks about the Antichrist in a very descriptive way. and talks about how... Uh, his arm will be shriveled and how he will have um, certain crippling effects to his person. There, with this wound to the head, some have speculated like a stroke that he may nearly die and then, but then he comes back and he must have been around people. They have that you know, left side paralysis and those mm -hmm. different things. That's possible. Could be an assassination attempt. Uh, upon him, receives a more has a similar effect uh, upon his physical frame. I, I personally go with the, the straightforward reading that there's going to be a mortal wound, a physical wound, illness, injury. Um, that's sort of second on my list of probables. Spiritual explanation, resurrected Roman Empire, way down on, on my list of. Probables, um, you know, if it turns that way, and I, again, I, I often say, as we watch these things, I mean, from the presence of the Lord, as we see these things unfold, we know, like we see the hosts of heaven repeatedly, you know, applauding the Lord and His work and praising and worshiping us. You know, I'll go, oh, okay, that that's what that was. We'll, we'll see the fulfillment. Uh, for now, uh, the the broader overview mortal wound and he was healed all the world marveled and followed the beast there's a supernatural um uh supernaturalness to his healing that causes the world to wonder you know that uh, he's come back from such an injury so they worshiped the dragon i, I want to be clear they're worshiping the beast because the dragon, who we know as Lucifer, has given all of his authority and power to this beast, which has emerged out of the sea. In worshiping the beast, they are thereby worshiping 
saved. And, and a lot of people do this. Um, I've talked about, <clears throat> there's a wonderful <clears throat> series by Chuck Missler um, called As the God You Worship. And that he gives some detailed explanation to the gods of the ancient world. He explains that many of us either presently are or before we came to the Lord, we, we were worshiping gods of the ancient world. And, and we just didn't know. Um, <clears throat> mammon is money. But mammon also is power and influence and money. <clears throat> so if you take what the ancient world did um, in worshiping money and power and success, that success, that, that's part of worshiping mammon. One of the things that was done by the very dedicated, not all worshipers of mammon, but the very dedicated worshipers of mammon, as soon as their first child was born, they would seal it in a jar. They would build it into the wall of their business. They would kill their child, seal it in the jar. And often they would construct it in such a way so that you could see the jar in the wall, constructed there. And the idea was physically, literally, and spiritually and conceptually that if you had to dedicate yourself to raising that child, it would take away from your success in your business. So you sacrifice your first child to men to success in business. And I don't mean to be cruel if any of us has participated in forcing someone or had an abortion. Many people in their youth, particularly in college, have that mindset of, I can't have a child will deviate me off course from finishing the school. And, and so they sacrifice their first child, their first pregnancy, to success and to money. And, and thereby, you know, we look at the ancient world and we go, how cruel. And yet, we're doing very similar things. Bacchus, the god of drunkenness, you know, he goes on this long explanation how Bacchus was irresponsible, <laughs> lazy, and wanted, you know, just to party and have fun. And those that worshipped him behaved like him. And he goes through these different lists. You know, Chuck Missler, again, as the God you worship. Oh, and, and by the way, if you're looking for it, you have to have these. There's an organization online called Firefighters for Christ. And they have all kinds of this audio stuff. And now, uh, it's even available for download. You used to have to like order a cassette tape. Remember those days? But, uh, firefighters for Christ. Yeah. So in, in, it's a, literally a group of firefighters that um, were part of Calvary Chapel that um, had in their mind to make sure that these teachings were collected and distributed to people for free. So uh, firefighters for Christ. I think it's firefightersforchrist.com, and uh, a lot of this stuff is available. Anyway. You worship Jesus Christ, you become like Jesus Christ. So in the process, he, 
you know, tells us we, we need to take care of our heart and, and make sure, are you actually worshiping Jesus Christ? These people are, are infatuated with the beast and maybe even to a certain degree in you know, unconscious of the fact they're worshiping the devil. The devil has lent the beast his power and his authority and by their dedication and by their infatuation, by their worship of this individual, they're worshiping the devil himself. There's care that is needed in every one of us. Worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, was given authority to continue for 42 months. Once again, we have that three and a half year period that is laid out. <coughs> Recently, <coughs> it's come up again in discussions with different pastors that I know about uh, you know their concept of oh the, you know the first three and a half years. I know I dwell on that repeatedly as I teach in this book, but I've recently been having some discussions with different pastors, and they say, oh, the first three and a half years is actually going to be quite glorious in the end. And I say, no, they're not. You know, um, Is there going to be a marked change at the three and a half year mark where things get dramatically worse? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But the whole seven years is going to be really unspeakably terrible. Uh, so you know this this three and a half year period we shouldn't think of as being like a clear distinct marker of when bad things begin. It's it's going to be horrendous through the whole process. Um, I'm out speaking great things of blasphemies. Have you guys seen? <coughs> uh, they're they're calling them deep fake videos, where um, they. The guy who did the most recent ones did it with uh, Tom Cruise. So um, he he took a person doing several different things. The one I remember is a guy playing golf. Okay, and he goes through a process of manipulating the video to make it appear that it's Tom Cruise. And the experts, it used to be that you could put the video through an oscilloscope, an electronic form of analysis, and you could, you could move the point on the screen and determine, okay, this video source is from a particular recording device, but this part right here on, you know, the face is from a different video source, and this over here is from a different, they've been manipulated and put together as one video, you can't even tell. They, they, they have so perfected the process, and Tom Cruise comes out and talks and, you know, goes back and takes the shot, golfing and goes forward, and, and it's, you know, apparently somebody he knew, and he took the video footage and manipulated it, so it, I mean, it's 100%, you think Tom Cruise is in the video. To what degree is the devil going to be able to manipulate the human race? With, you know, given a voice, right? I mean, how is this? I don't know. I, I just know that the way we are moving right now, I go, yeah, devil talking to humanity directly is totally possible. <laughs> the things that are afoot right now, he's given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemy. He's given a 
authority within 42 months. There's going to be, I think about that. There's already, you don't have to imagine very far, direct communication from hell to the human ear. You know, there, there's going to be an unbroken chain where the devil's voice is, is going to be speaking. And uh, how deceptive, how manipulative is that going to be? People are just, my goodness. I, you know, I don't mean to trail off. Um, the stimulus check, right? Okay, we're going to have resistance. <clears throat> it's socialism, okay? But who of us is not going to accept the stimulus check? Right? So in the end, we're being conditioned once again. Like over here in the government, we're going to do a whole ton of things that if you could, you'd put a choker hold on us and you'd bring it to a stop and you'd never allow it to happen. But we're going to put a check in the mail for you. So can you just, like, not raise a complete fit about these things over here? Really? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing very clearly a manipulation. A manipulation. Just, you know, uh, I, I like illusion, uh, magic tricks to, to demonstrate that to people. That, you know, you, you can lie to somebody. They become convinced of a certain thing. I can make some coins disappear. I can make a handkerchief disappear. I can do a few different things. You know, the, the big thing about being able to perform these tricks is distraction. And sleight of hand, that's the skill involved in it. But the distraction is the key. That's key to the whole process. And, at, at, you know, I'm totally amateur about it. But... As I'm doing each one of these things that I've learned how to do, I'm, I'm not paying any attention. You, you go through the process of learning how to do the trick, looking in the mirror, and you just watch yourself until, hey, I didn't even see that happen myself. I'm looking for it, and I didn't even see it. I'm doing it, and I'm looking for it, and I was able to mask. And then you do that hundreds of more times until you can do that. I, I should have brought it. I've talked about putting a dime in your hand and you hold your hand open on this side in the same way and you learn. I have to do it from my right hand to my left. That's the easiest way for me. Holding your hand like this and you learn to throw. So you turn your hand simultaneously and you throw this dime across to this hand and you catch it. So it looks like all you're doing is going like this. It happens that fast. And, and you say, you see the dime? And they say, yeah. And you go like this, and you say, which hand is it in? They're convinced it's in this hand, because all I did was turn my hands over. Okay? Well, what I do is, well, I have this here. Then I look up to you, and I start some conversation about what I'm going to do until I get your eyes to pick up from the dime. When you look up to my face, I turn my hands over. Okay? And, and I've learned to throw it across without looking at my hands at all, right? About keeping the hands at the same height, learning how quickly I need to turn this hand. This hand needs to turn just a millisecond faster because I need to throw and then catch, okay? So we do this number, right? And I make sure you're looking at me. The distraction happens in the conversation. Distract, deceive. 
And that's what is happening all over the place. The distraction is the bigger element. Every, everybody's acting like, oh, that terrible thing over there. Yeah, the distraction. The distraction. Our enemy is, he's been at this for thousands of years, deceiving humanity. And humanity's just like, you know, hook in the lip and away we go. Just drawn away by these things. Again, I say like stimulus check and all that's going on right now, they're just precursors to what's coming. The devil is going to be given a voice. And he is going to deceive. And he's going to do terrible things. Open his mouth. Blaspheme against God. Blaspheme his name. His tabernacle prepared them to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So, <clears throat> the mouth, and with the mouth, he blasphemes God. You know, it, it really, you know, we shouldn't think of it as like he's got to shake his fist and scream at heaven and say terrible things. You know, the 80s, glory was glorifying moments ago. Remember Shirley MacLaine? Right? Ah, tremendously blasphemous. Talking about how I am a god. Wow. <laughs> You know, saying it in such a glorified way and making her movie presentations and just, I mean, yeah, I'm with you, Debbie. Oh my word, it's just so ridiculous. You know, I, I love the fact in uh, 1989 she had a gathering uh, in Los Angeles, California, where she was at this big coliseum and um, all these people were there, and she was going to teach them all that they are God. And uh, in the midst of it, massive power out. Right. So the power goes out. I showed or rather they just cave in because she wants to keep the money from all the people that have attended. She goes into this big mystical presentation and candles that are all going to get out. And she's going to restore the power. And uh, she's just rolling the dice, you know, <clears throat> on, you know, and now and <laughs> and they sat in circles and they meditated and hummed and prayed until she had literally like three people left with her on stage. Never restored the power. You know, power never came back on. You know, they ushered her out the board, out the back door, locked the building. And, you know, thanks for showing up. Sort of hours later, it, it, her power, blasphemous, blasphemous things. We think of it as, like I say, you know, really demonic, really hideous, really evil. Blasphemy. It's going to be saying things that, you know, I, I, one of the most blasphemous people on television in recent history has been Oprah Winfrey. You know, the people look at her, you know, you get a car, you get a car, everybody's a car. Just, you know, the seduction and, and ungodliness involved. We shouldn't think of this statement as being some horrendous thing that everyone would be repulsed by. Whoa, can you believe that? It's, it's going to have an allure. It's going to be drawing people in. Blasphemy against God. Blasphemy against his name. You know, his tabernacle. Now, yes, absolutely we're talking about the temple that will be, right? Because we read from Daniel and we read here in the book of Revelation. The temple will be established and then Daniel talks about the sacrifice being cut off and we hear there 
He's going to come in and demand to be worshipped as God. Okay, so, you know, a lot of those things stand up to us. But how about this, folks? This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, he, he will be blaspheming all of the residents of the Holy Spirit. Where the, the Holy Spirit resides, he will be blaspheming it. Be it in the, the lives and bodies and hearts and minds of believers, or in the physical temple that will be constructed there in Jerusalem. And those who dwell in heaven, he's going to speak against all of them. He's going to have great uh, things to say. You know, I, I, one of the most blasphemous songs uh, you know, ever written was written by John Lennon. I can only imagine. You know, uh, no, that's, that's a God one, right? But imagine, right? You know, no heaven above. That's your imagination. And you're speaking against God's existence. No hell beneath. You know, you're, you're speaking against God's creation and his judgment and his authority. You know, so, again, blasphemy takes many different forms. Granted him to make war against the saints. And I made the point uh, previously when we had this discussion that <coughs> the church is in heaven. Actually, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, as they all sing and proclaim the Lord, how he is their salvation and has redeemed them from the tribes and tongues of the nations of the earth. Uh, here, he has authority over the saints. And I make the insistence that this obviously, uh, I guess that might sound smug, and I don't intend it to sound that way. This can't be the church. Because Jesus said that. And he would establish his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Whereas here, Satan is given authority to have power over them and to um, you know, defeat them, to overcome them. So, yes, they're saints in that they are believers, but this is not that there were believers prior to the existence of the church, right? And they were saints of old. They were the saints of the Old Testament. And when the church arrives, that's a different entity, a different existence. And we know there is a distinct period of time where the time of the Gentiles is going to be fulfilled. God's attention is going to return to Israel. So here he's going to be given power to overcome the saints and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's never happened. And that, for my all-millennialist brothers who want to say, like, it's already happened in the past, or you got to look at it this way or interpret it that way, no world leader has ever had total authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. There have been those who desired it. There are those presently who desire it. But it's never occurred. There's always been the sovereignty of nations, always been the sovereignty and separation. This one, given total authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. You know, even, even if his authority isn't obeyed, right? Human beings are rebellious. And we're going to see there's war on earth. So there's still conflict that's that's going on. But he has the authority. You understand? He, he can say legally, politically, he, he is granted authority over all the tribes, tongues, and that's a, that's a unique thing in all of history. 
There's always going to be rebels. There's always going to be people that don't want to submit. And, and, and that's actually, you know, going to work well for the devil. Because he gets to kill more people through war and conflict. So his ultimate goal is seen in that. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Whose names have not been written in the book of life. Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, the book of life. There are many references, many. There are a handful of references to the book of life throughout the Bible. There are two different views of the book of life. The first one is that, oh, you're good, small crowd, we're okay. Um, the, the, the first view is that uh, your name is written in the book of life upon becoming saved. So you come to a moment and you say, okay, I want to get saved and I accept Jesus as my Lord and pray forgives my sin and child of God. Your name is written in the book of life. That's the first view. The second view of the book of life is that your name is written in the book of life as soon as you become one of the living. So as soon as you're born. Which fits better with what's described in the scripture. Because your name can be blotted out of the book of life. Okay. Doctrinally, I have a hard time with the idea that, oh, I've accepted Jesus and now my name is written in the book of life. And then later, uh, my name is blotted out of the book of life. Okay. That, that to me, doctrinally, doesn't fit well in the giant puzzle. Okay. Um, many of the other passages give us indications that what it really is is everyone who's ever been alive. The name is written in the book of life. The name is blotted out upon the rejection of God. That, that works better than saying you can lose your salvation. I do, I do not see anywhere in the scripture that indicates you can lose your salvation. Even, you know, John talking about the fact that uh, the false teachers went out from us, so, so they were part of the church. They went out from us because they never were of us. Had they been of us, they never would have departed from us. So the idea, the concept is that you know salvation is eternal. That if someone uh, is, is brought into the faith, then nothing can remove that. And you can incorporate within that all of the warnings that we have throughout the scripture of being self-deceived, thinking you're saved, when in fact you're not saved. So the concept of the name being all of the names of the living, and that the name is blotted out uh, upon the rejection of God, that, that refusing God is uh, when the name is blotted out. So we'll talk some more about that as we move along, but here... All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Meaning, you're going to have to think about that. You're going to have to process that. And, you know, if you come to a different conclusion about that, then that's okay too. <laughs> we can have a discussion. I don't think that it's, you know, a, a doctrinal issue that your, your salvation is contingent upon. It's a pretty complex thing. 
He who leads into captivity, in this case, right, we would most understand that to be the devil, Lucifer, the dragon, the Antichrist, the beast, spoken of here. It says, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. Uh, we, we talk about this, Mark, about the fact that hell is actually Satan's prison, right? It's, it's not, you know, the idea of that's where his throne is and that's where he's going to rule from. That's his incarceration for eternity also. It's his punishment for eternity also. So, so here as the dragon and the beast and this world leader are being spoken of, we get the reassurance not only of him but anyone who would behave like him. Like, make no mistake. If you're going to go this route and you lead people astray, then hell and captivity and eternity separated from God waits for you also. So uh, that's that's a comfort to us, right? That, that we have the assurance from God that he's just. And he's, he's not going to allow uh, for Satan or anyone who serves him to do such terrible things and then get away with it. You know, it would be a pretty terrible thought that if Satan does all of this and so many people end up in hell and then what? He gets to have a, a throne and authority and get some kind of sick, twisted joy out of being the king of hell. Uh, that, that's, kind of, that's dramatically unjust. No, it's his imprisonment. It's his eternal punishment. He is going to get what he deserves. It's just God is, he's balanced. He's, he's just. So, uh, he who kills with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. <clears throat> God is just. That That's where our patience rests upon. The, the balance of doing things right. You know, um, the scripture saying, um, you know, vengeance is mine and will repay. The idea of keep your hands off from trying to be the judge. Mm -hmm. And um, I've learned painfully through failure as I've exacted my revenge, you know, let my mouth run into terrible things. And, you know, people have done me wrong and I just uh, rail against them. And um, I go too far. I, I'm not balanced. I think I am. I think I am. But I'm not. I, I have a sinfulness. And God is balanced. And he is just. He, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And we go, yeah, get him. Here that he's also saying, I'll repay you. Meaning if you've been wronged, I'll... I'll reach into their account and I'll take from them the proper amount and I'll put it in your account. I will repay. I'll repay them. They'll turn around and experience loss. And you'll turn around and you'll experience benefit. It will be very balanced. God knows exactly how much. And, and you know, when we do it, we often think we need so much more. You know, they need to grovel and be dragged across broken glass. Or I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Just... Somehow, we, we have a concept that's unjust, really. So if they need to be broken, you know, dragged across broken glass, well, how about this time when you, 
need just like them. Well, no, I don't. I don't need you know broken glass. I mean, we 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 balance the scales in our favor. So here, the the patience of the saints is we can trust God. God is going to do what's good, right, and proper. You know. So while we're seeing all these terrible things, know that uh, He is. you know, in fact, in control and taking care of the things he needs to. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast. Oh, my word, wasn't it enough? And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Have you met people like that? They look like a Christian. <clears throat> and then you examine their behavior and you think, oh, my, maybe not. Something's going on here. Which is exactly what's being said. Because come up out of the earth, he's going to look like what you would expect spiritually, right? He looks like a lamb. Looks like a lamb. But what comes out of his mouth is like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Causes the earth to worship. It's an interesting concept. There's, I know you guys are familiar. I take things too far, so forgive me in this. Walt Disney World, they designed that so that you're probably well aware. There's a massive city underground. And then they built all that on top of it. So that what's on top of it looks just as pristine as they can possibly make it all the time. Trash cans don't actually have any trash can there or any liner. When you throw trash in it, it goes way down through and it lands inside collection bins and on conveyor belts and it's carried away. They never have anybody have to come out and take a trash can out everything all the time in every setting that they can they make this upward appearance just look like utopia it's a lie there's a slave army underground working for minimum wage just cracking that world constantly to make this heaven on earth above ground look so enjoyable it's fake everything above it is fake okay going to make the earth worship the first beast. You know, there, there's, I don't know how that plays in. You, you can, you know, we'll watch how that all fits together. But, you know, you, you know, you hear people, right, talk about heaven on earth. We're going to save the earth. We're going to do all these wonderful things. The earth is trying to kill us. You know what I'm saying? If you haven't noticed, I love, I love that, I forget what movie it was from, but, uh, the line from a movie I remember years ago that said Mother Nature is a serial killer. You know, <laughs> she really is, man. She's, you know, genocidal. She, you know, wiping out whole nations of people. You know, this concept, you know, oh, you know, we, we need to save you know, all the orca. You know how many people orca kill? Yeah, they, they are bent on destruction. Have you, have you seen, you know, dolphins? I go off on dolphins. Dolphins are crazy. Really, really crazy. No, I'll say some things, 
and, and you'll laugh at the truth. They're rapists. They are incredibly racist. Right? You, you take one species of dolphins, if there's a pod, and they find another speckled dolphin, and they're missed, they will hunt that thing down and kill it. They will not tolerate another race of dolphin in their midst. Okay? That they, they are constantly on the hunt. Two, one dominant bull dolphin will master another younger dolphin, a male, and they will hunt females together and use them as their sexual playthings until she until she dies. If she tries to escape, they'll kill her. They're horrendous. They have massive eating disorders. They suffer from bulimia a lot in that if there's food present, they will binge on it until they cannot take in anymore and they will regurgitate all of it and then start eating again. They're crazed. Yeah. They work in teams to kill. They work in teams to eat. They'll run at whole schools of fish and drive them. They beach themselves. You know why they often beach themselves? Because they're trying to get all of the fish. They're not content with what they've already filled themselves with. They'll, they'll work in, in strings of three and five running at the fish. And as the fish try to get away from the dolphins, they'll go up on the shore. And the dolphins will go right up on the shore with them to eat them. They will wear their teeth down on one side of their head because they're sliding across the sand to get at the fish. When the Discovery Channel was producing this, it is the only time in their history that they received death threats. Which, my commentary on that was, the reason that humanity venerates the dolphin so much is because the dolphin is so much like us. They like destruction. The navies of the world have worked with them, training them to go to ships with a magnetic bomb strapped to their back, and they'll come right up under the ship and click lock that magnetic bomb onto the ship and then swim away. And when it detonates, they've actually mapped their neurological pathways. They're filled with joy at the mission accomplished and the destruction of what they intended. They are a twisted animal. We venerate these things. We're like, oh, the majestic dolphin. Yeah, the majestic dolphin, the majestic earth. They're going to cause the earth to worship Satan. It's a strange concept. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I see it in the hearts of humanity right now. This is a fallen planet. It is dead. It is death. As beautiful and majestic as it is, this is destroyed. This is ruined. This is not what God designed. God designed a, a magnificent thing. And, and the earth, the worship of the earth, the way we're going, all the stuff we're doing, it's just absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. You're causing the earth to worship. It's a strange cause. And those who dwell in it. And those who dwell in it. When you say the earth, and you go, oh, well, the people of the earth and those who dwell in it. Interesting, strange. To worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. There's the second mention in this passage of this deadly wound. This he performs great signs 
so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. There's a, an interesting weapons system that has been designed, and there's some debate about whether it has been built, and there's further debate about whether it has been deployed. But it's steel rods. That's all it is. In satellites, in orbit, and all I have to do is release the rod. It falls through the atmosphere, and strikes its position, and because it just free falls, it is going so fast that its destructive power when it strikes the surface of the earth is immeasurably more than any explosive. I mean, you remember when the uh, meteorite exploded in Russia in the upper atmosphere and all the devastation that it caused, right? That caused a bunch of people to go, hey. And uh, so we have designed it. And uh, several different uh, entities have published the findings regarding the design. There's actually some, say, debate about whether it's actually been constructed and deployed, put in place. Fire falling from the sky. You know, pinpoint accuracy, which is right where they want that thing to land. Strike. It'd be a, you know, pretty interesting thing. You have fire come down from heaven and performs great signs, so it even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. You know, it may be supernatural, right? Elijah called fire down from heaven. It may be supernatural. My suspicion is it will not be, right? because that level of authority belongs to God alone. To stand up in the boat and say, "Peace, be still," and the storm goes. Oh, sorry, I, you know, I'm quiet right now. God alone has command and authority like that. I, I, my suspicion is that it will be an illusion. He will call fire down from heaven in the sight of man. But it, it isn't God's authority in, in his life and in his person. So, you know, we'll, we'll watch from the mezzanine again, see how these things unfold. In that, there's actually a commentary on how dangerous it is to be infatuated by signs and wonders. The signs and wonders are deceptive. They will convince you of supernatural power that may not even be present at all. You know, we've, we have seen televangelist after televangelist exposed for their falsehoods. I uh, watched a documentary years ago on what wasn't even televangelist. He's a, a spiritualist who can read people's minds and predict their future and all that stuff. He has three teams that work ahead of him, and they go into the next locations that he's going to be at months in advance. The people who have purchased tickets online to his event beforehand, they vet through them, and they look for specific people who are the most vulnerable. They look at everything about their lives, and they go, there's a candidate, there's a candidate, there's a candidate. They send people to their towns 
They've already purchased the tickets and they know they're going. So they send people to them and try to find ways in their environment, at the hairdresser, at the restaurant, at wherever, and they just drop the information very subtly about how I'm going to be going to that spiritualist thing. And, oh, me too. And they begin the process of collecting the information they need. So that when they show up at the thing, the guy looks supernatural. There's a woman in the audience. She's seated uh, over here. Is I'm getting S. Is it, is it Sarah? Sarah so-and-so? Do you have an aunt? Has she been sick? It's all information that they've collected through natural means. And they manipulate that person. You know, book sales and all the junk. And that promotes them as being supernatural. And it's, it's all cue card stuff. He's just, he's being, they literally have people who, <clears throat> as you're entering and they scan your ticket, if you're one of those people they focus on, oh, it, then it registers, she's in, somebody follows, they tell them exactly what seat number she's sitting in. They got her ticket, she's right over there. Manipulate, it looks very supernatural. Very supernatural. And, so, and, he, and, and like I said, they have three teams that are working. So you got a, an advanced team that's always three locations ahead of you. So everywhere he goes, he's just well versed. He's, he's not supernatural at all. Not, not even in the slightest. Very convincing to everyone who experiences. It's really unfortunate. Apparently he talks to dead people, but whatever. So um, <clears throat> this this uh, one who's seemingly supernatural had this deadly wound, performs the signs, fire come down on the sight of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs, which he was granted to do in the sight of men. And, and, and that may imply that he's given supernatural power. He's in league with the devil. So, you know, maybe that is... More literal, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And that's one of the clearest indications that it was a physical attack that caused this wound. He was wounded by the sword and yet lived through the process. Oh, you can spiritualize it in its role in the wars and the defeat. Okay, so, you know, don't, <coughs> you know, it, it could be a spiritual. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. The image, the image, the image, the image of the beast. Right? This is why I made the big deal about the deep fake you know, videos and things. The image, the image. You know, the, these things that, that are virtual reality. Uh, there's uh, holographic projection work that's being done uh, right now <clears throat> that is near realistic from every angle. So it's nothing more than a projected image. And everywhere you view that thing from, you know, what has been presented to us in the past, you know, looks illuminated and, uh, you know, projected. Uh, they, they have moved so far into what they are able to do. Another aspect of you know that whole scientific realm of things is what they are 
developing in cybernetic organisms. They're talking about literally digitizing the human soul and implanting it into a machine. You know, where does this go? I don't know. <laughs> someplace bad, you know, someplace really bad. Uh, there's an image that's given and it's able to speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be true. He causes all, all. Lewis Neely is the founder of Warehouse Ministries, and he's just an amazing minister. But he's like super humble guy, and uh, uh, he, he gets pretty cynical at times. The word "all," everybody wants to debate about that in a lot of places. And he says, "Well, in the Greek, all here is all Aminius." Just meaning all, everyone, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their right. We're not going to take it. We're going to hide in the woods and we're going to, you know, you know, you are going to be made to worship the beast or you're going to be put to death. It's as simple as that. You know, the, the preppers don't stand a chance when it comes to this. As many as would not worship him, give the beast to be killed, caught at all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. And no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. We'll read that last verse in just a moment. Lots of precursors to the mark in our culture all around us. Uh, I still have an article uh, published in Bangor Daily News several years ago now. University of Maine losing tremendous amount of money on the unlimited food pass for their university students. So one student purchases the unlimited pass and he goes in and swipes and eats to his content and comes out and hands it to his friend who walks in and swipes and goes eats to his heart's content and gives it to his next friend and swipes. It's unlimited. So as many people as are given access to that, and they have all the rules and regulations, they have to sign the agreement, you know how honest college students are sometimes. So the University of Maine put into place a hand scanner. And it works uh, through ultraviolet light. And the vein pattern inside your hand is unique to only you. No one else on the rest of the planet has the same pattern. So you put your hand over the scanner, and it registers you, and you go in, and you eat. Your hand is the access to food. Your hand. No one else's hand. And, by the way, it has to be a living hand. <laughs> So you can't steal your roommate's hand and, you know, go get your dinner. Those who have marked the beast. Precursor. It's not the mark. I'm not trying to even imply that remotely. But all of these things are going to build up to the point where currency is done away with and this becomes the monetary system. Everyone receives the mark on the hand here. It says, uh, and or their forehead in verse 16. I open the bank account 
here locally when we moved to town 20 years ago. And uh, when I was doing the paperwork, maybe I've already shared this, they said, uh, yeah, we need your thumbprint. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they said, yep, you don't even have to sign anything any, anymore with us. You just put your thumbprint, and, and now you can even do it on your cell phone. Thumbprint on there, just, you're good. That's your signature. And I'm thinking of this, and I'm smug. So I say, what if I didn't have any thumbs? Said, oh, we we'll use this spot right here on your forehead. So you, your, your hand or your forehead. You know, the, the skin pattern on your forehead is uh, as unique as your thumbprint. So they've already got that. Now, again, that's not the number of the beast or the mark of the beast. <laughs> it's a precursor. It's preparing the hearts and minds of the people for the coming day where this will be instituted. Honey, I mean... Rewind 200 years ago, and this concept was laughable. And here, 50 years ago, that's right. 50 years ago. And here we are today. It's not only you know, doable, it's happening in our midst. It's happening in our midst, and more and more. Um, I, I shared with you recently um, the riots of last summer that took place, uh, 37. There were more than that, but 37 very distinct, large riot zones across the nation that took place. 32 of them occurred around Federal Reserve buildings. And our money, whether people are aware of it, was dramatically and tremendously under threat. Had they been able to get access to the capabilities inside that building, all of our money potentially could have been made worthless. Yeah. Imagine, but I mean literally, like you go to the grocery store tomorrow with a handful of cash, and they're like, no, no, that's make paper airplanes, burn that because it's worthless. That's that's you know a thinkable uh, possibility, distinct. Lastly, uh, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His name is 666. Now, oh my word. The, the speculation that has come from there, right? It was Harry, or Henry Kissinger, uh, you know, years ago. It was Ronald Reagan, you know. Uh, I forget uh, Ronald's middle name, but six letters. So six letters, six letters, six letters. Clearly, it was him. Oh, we've heard it over and over and over. I think that probably one of the uh, easiest things uh, to recognize uh, in this, uh, six is the number of man. He was created on the sixth day. Okay? And man, humanity, six. Uh, you know, seven, uh, the number of completion. It's often, people say, the number of perfection. But the number of completion, six days of creation, and then the seventh day was rest 12, the number of human government, 12 apostles, 12 elders, you know, 40, number of temptation or number of judgment uh, given there. Lots of different numbers symbolized in the scripture. Six assigned to man. Three sixes. Okay. The beast, the false prophet, the devil himself. Okay. Eh, who knows? Who knows how it's going? We'll calculate. And uh, we'll all be doing our trigonometry in, in 
you know, when it unfolds, we'll go, huh, well, I have the same conclusion, and we'll all realize, you know, let him who has wisdom calculate. That, that implication is not, you can figure it out now. It's the idea that when it unfolds, you'll be able to calculate and conclude, oh, that's the one right there. There's not going to be any confusion about it. That, that's really what's being said here, is you will be able to come to the proper conclusion. Well, well think about it, right? They've come to the wrong conclusion over and over again. Kissinger, Reagan, that, that, that. No, no, your calculation was wrong, and your calculation was wrong, and your calculation is wrong. My calculation is perfect and right. It is. And so is yours. He will be the ruler of the world. There won't be any question. You'll be able to go. That's the guy right there. He has made an agreement with Israel. He's broken it at the three and a half year mark. He's instituted a number for the whole world to use as a monitoring system. We will be able to calculate all of these things and come to the proper conclusion. No matter how long your equation is or how short your equation is, you're going to come up with 666. It's going to be the beast, the ruler of the world. So <clears throat> I like the simplicity of what the scripture is saying. Um, you know, as complex as it is, you know, it is the coronavirus vaccine, the mark of the beast. No, it's not. It's not. Should you get it? I don't know. Okay. Uh, because it's untested. Right? It's dangerous. It's got all kinds of stuff. People are having bad reactions. I don't need it right now. So I had coronavirus and I currently have antibodies. So uh, right now I don't need it, and I'll just watch and wait and see how it plays out for other people. And, you know, if they settle down on one that's you know really good and solid, then great. But uh, you know, for now it's not the mark of the beast. You don't, you don't have to be afraid of that. Why? Because it's not associated with worshiping the devil. Okay, and, and you can still have a job. Oh well, they told me. At the place where I work, if I don't get it, they're going to fire me. Yeah, but you can go find another job. Okay? You can have a job, and you can eat, even if you don't get it or you do get it. So, so it doesn't fit within this. Is it a precursor? Yes, absolutely. The whole idea of governmental control of the people, of you have to do what we say, or you can't have what you need. We should always be very cautious of Always be very cautious. So that's the study we have for tonight. We'll pick up with chapter 14 next week. Why don't we?